You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 110, covering hero worship and violations. Friends, friends, friends. That, you're supposed to say something then. Oh, sorry, I thought you were going somewhere with that. No, usually I say the friends <laughs> thing. Friends, but... friends, friends. Romans. Do countrymen. We, I, I wonder if we have any stats on Romans, if we have any Romans listening. We've got to have at least one Roman, right? I don't know. We might have pissed them off when we did Roman Planet episode. Mm, we, understandable. We were pretty pissed off, too. I think so, because I think that was one that came in a series of, you know, blank planet episodes. And Yep. Although, this week we have a trend episode that we're really not happy about. Yeah, speaking of pissed off episodes. Yeah, I would much rather have Roman Planet than what we got here. Fortunately, yeah. this is one of those great shows where it's a mix, where we get one good one and one of the other kind. This is also our last big show of the year. Um, you will hear the conclusion of our two-part crossover with the Drunken Time Travel Lads uh, in a week or two. But this is it for us until January. Mm-hmm. And we like to take a couple of weeks off around the holidays to... Uh, reflect. To flect? To flect, you know. Not reflect. We flect no, the first flect. time. Right. I got you. No one ever flecks enough, I've noticed. Oh, I think... And it, that's a shame. I think Andy and Marissa probably fleck quite a bit. Oh, well, yeah, but, that, I mean, that's just two people. Yeah, they were born into the empire, to the dynasty, as it were. Well, I mean, one was born into it, the other married into it. A fair point. Isn't it? I don't know. I can't tell what's fair anymore. Fair is foul, foul is fair. <laughs> I don't even know. Why don't we talk about the episodes? Yeah, please tell me about your episode, so I, I don't have to think about mine. Well... We're going to come to yours eventually, you know that. No. It's inevitable. Inevitable. Um, all right, my episode was called Hero Worship. The Enterprise answers a distress call from the USS Vico, a pointy ship that's been decapitated by something. Picard orders a sensor sweep to see if there are any survivors, but since the teaser needs an action sequence, the results are inconclusive. Actually, I'm positive it's because Chief O'Brien has the week off, and the smug douche in the transporter room would rather be combing his hair than do anything useful. So Riker beams over with Geordi and Data, and they discover a single survivor, a child who's been pinned under one of those bulkheads. Or, as Matt suggested, a log. I'm really kind of fascinated by the way that guy's mind works. What does he even think a starship is made of? Anyway, Data lifts the bulkhead using his robot Hulk strength, and they bring the kid, whose name is Timothy, back aboard the Enterprise. Troy makes a half-assed attempt at helping him, but since literally everyone on the ship is better at her job than she is, that's a list that includes Mr. Mott the Barber, the kid who's the executive in charge of radishes, <laughs> and Worf's holo simulation of Skeletor, Data actually steps up to help the kid through his grief. That's right, the robot! And he does a really good job of it, too, taking him through all the stages. Anger, making structurally unsound buildings out of blocks, changing her clothes and hair to look more like an android, denial, enjoying a tasty malted in ten forward, painting angry, jagged pictures of blood and lightning and death, and finally acceptance. As the Enterprise is drawn into the same thing that ended up blowing the head clean off of the Vigo, Timothy remembers what happens and saves the day. Then he returns to the child aquarium that is apparently the school on the Enterprise, where he flat out refuses to sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat. Hey, you know who else hated that song? Spock. I think you're going to be all right, kid. Timothy asks Data if they can still hang out, and Data is happy to oblige. Then he joins the ranks of Robin Leffler, Sonia Gomez, Jenna DeSora, and Worf's other kid, Jeremy Astor, 
aboard the next-gen equivalent of the USS Hood. Now that's a callback. Yeah, it is. I haven't talked about the Hood in a while. I feel like there must be a different thing by the 24th century, but they're definitely shipping these people off somewhere. They, I mean, they've got to go somewhere, right? Unless they're continuing to be Tribble at all, but I don't think that they are. Okay, so really, i got to ask you, do you really think that a ship is made of wood? <laughs> I mean, I don't think the Enterprise is made of wood. Okay. And I don't even think that that ship that, that, ship that they were visiting was made of wood. Well, then why Unless do you the think, head was made of wood. Why do you think he was pinned under a log, then? I just think that the ship might have logs under it. Under it? Yeah, so it's know, a raft. Keep it afloat. So it could land on a planet and then go whitewater rafting. Or <laughs> not whitewater rafting. What's the other kind? Riverboat rafting. There you go. So when Mark Twain so difficult. When Mark Twain comes to the future, he can totally just uh, captain that ship. It's <laughs> it's a riverboat. Of course it is. Traveler. Uh-huh. Look, it's the goat hoof traveler. <laughs> God, here he comes clopping all the way. <laughs> Full roll the old roll. <laughs> all right, so I have a good thing about this episode. Actually, Why there don't are, you tell me about it? There are many good things about this episode. I really like this one. Yes, I like this one, too. Data has come so far since season one. We said the same thing about Picard. Uh, we can't imagine early Data doing this kind of thing either. He's he, he says one or two things that are a little insensitive, but he realizes immediately and corrects for it. Whereas back in season one, he would just be sort of the deadpan, oblivious guy, and everyone sort of would be barrel like, through there. Yeah. And now he's like, oh, wait, people don't like to hear that. Let me let me correct for that. And he's he's getting good at it. Mm-hmm. He also sort of nudges Timothy along by telling him why it's not always great to be an android. Yeah, that was a really great sequence. It's like, okay, yeah, you don't have emotions, so it's much easier to deal with your grief. On the other hand, you can't taste ice cream or really enjoy anything. Yeah. And to I a mean, little boy... Like- I mean, like, that's the only thing Counselor Troy enjoys doing. This is a good point. Do you want to end up like her? No. God, no. Well, now we've discovered her job. It's to be a poster child for everything that's wrong. (laughs) Deanna Troy has a chocolate mother. (laughs) I just want to bite the head off her chocolate mother now. (laughs) And Luxana deserves better than that. I think, though, that... I mean, a little boy would care more about, you know, ice cream and joy than anything else. And telling him, well, you you can't have those things. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, I'd rather be a boy then. Fuck this android shit. I do like there's a bit of business when uh, he and Troy are in 10 forward. And I'll get to why it's awful in a second. Huh. But uh, uh, she says to him, do you want do you want anything? And he's. He goes, androids require neither food nor water. Mm-hmm. Then he sort of looks behind him as some dude delivers an ice cream to her, I assume, mm-hmm. and goes, but I will enjoy, I will attempt tasting things. Oh, yes, we do like tasting No, the, the kid really had a lot of these cute little moments where he's like, well, androids aren't supposed to, but, you know. He just, he does it, like, he does the whole traumatized kid thing, but he's still a kid. Yeah. The, the actor they got to play him was fantastic. Yes, he was. Because he actually goes through some fairly complex things, and he pulls it all off really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and my bad thing, well, Matt took mine. We'll hear about that in a minute. So I'm going to say Timothy's awful overalls. His android obsession was a welcome change, if only to get him out of that horrible outfit. Oh, God, he looked like he was wearing a baby's jumper. It looked like he was wearing old man overalls, like his pants were up to his nipples, and then he had mm-hmm. the straps like overalls. Yeah, it's old man rolls. It, that is not one of your finest portmanteau hours, Matt. Um, I feel like there was so little 
to call out in this episode. I just, the, the B plot of whatever the danger was, was so incidental. They shuffled it as far into the back as they possibly could because it's a character piece. Yeah. It barely matters until the end of the episode. And our complaints in these kind of episodes are often, uh, you know, that stupid techno babbly plot overshadows the character stuff. And in this time that didn't happen. No, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It sort of happened in the background and enhanced what we were looking at in the foreground. Yeah, because it dovetailed nicely in the last act where uh, Timothy comes on the bridge and says, wait a minute, no, we got to, no, they said that. They said that too. They said make it so, number one, and Mr. Worf raised shields. They all, they said all that. No, it was actually I nice. It's like, I, Timothy, I don't think Worf was on your ship. No, he was. They said Mr. Worf. I, I clearly remember that. I saw it happen. Yeah, he, he's a big fan of the 2000, 2009 movie. He quotes it a lot. I like that Data latches onto what he's saying, though, and says, wait a minute, you're right. And then Data's got that great thing where he's figured out the answer and you got to act immediately. And he just sort of barrels through everyone and says, sir, put down the shields now. And it's just like, cool. Like Spiner totally shifts gears and it's like, we got Yes, exactly. I love that. I just, I love the way he plays that. It's fantastic. All right. What about you? Ugh, okay. I So my good thing, I'm a big fan of Data's little friendship with Timothy over this episode. Oh, just yeah. Any scene where they're together is just adorable. Yep. There's the, when they're painting, and Jeremy decides to paint the most obvious <laughs> I am not happy painting ever. Yeah, I, I mentioned that in my summary, and you guys might think I was exaggerating, but no. Jagged lines, lots of red, so clear. Like, even Data's like, he looks at the painting, and he's like, is something wrong? Are you okay, buddy? Yeah. And again... Because the only is... thing the only thing more spot on than this would be if you drew a picture of a little of a little kid crying <laughs> while people yelled at him and uh, had an arrow pointing to him that said, I am sad. With your dead parents on the floor. With their eyes X'd out. Right. And so I like... What are you painting, Data? Oh, I am painting a lovely uh, meadow from uh, Earth. Done in uh, where, wherever from 1904. What are you painting? I'm angry! <laughs> but since he's an android, he's not angry. I am not angry about the things I am feeling yep. inside of me. Because I don't feel anything inside of me. I mm. just have gears and circuits and beep boop. I also enjoy them. In, I also like them enjoying malteds. Oh, yes. That was adorable. It was. Which apparently have glass straws. That's weird. Well, it's the future, you see. Uh-huh. They're transparent aluminum straws. Oh, well. Obviously. No, there's there's a lot of great bits like that. There's when, uh, there's like a whole little montage when he decides to run with the Android thing. He goes to sick bay and Beverly says, well, uh, Data, your positronic net, blah, 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 checks out. And then she kind of plays along and says, Timothy, your positronic net checks out. And it was just kind of cute. Yeah, good, good. I like that everyone sort of runs with that, except yeah, for, it- you know. It, it, it's it's kind of a neat, like, just, okay, well, this kid is obviously very broken, so I think we can all just let him do this for a while if that's what he needs. Yep. Uh, and it's, you know, it's nice to give Data something different that he hasn't dealt with before. Yeah. And it's interesting how almost by the numbers they've been with Data. They had him date someone. Mm-hmm. They had him have a kid. Now they have a, a different kid sort of emulating him. Like, it's all sort of, you know a check in the box each time, but they've all been great episodes. Yeah. And the writers have done a really effective job of taking this emotionless character and bouncing him against very emotional characters. Yep. And just making some really good drama out of it. I, I just like watching him with it, like hang out with a kid. Like it didn't work last time he spent time with, you know, salad fingers. Mm -hmm. 
but like it's just neat watching him play off this kid who just thinks he's fantastic and you know it's because data saved his life mm-hmm. first of all and then second and of also all because he has superpowers right and then also because you know androids don't feel yeah that's what androids i want don't... jesus with all i got going on right now that sounds like a pretty sweet gig to me yep all right let's let's go ahead and say it all right so troy is just terrible in this mm-hmm. What a shock! I know, but I need a I need a soundboard. I just need a clip that just says Troy was just terrible in this because you know every week. Yeah, like oh my god, this there, should be her job right here. Uh-huh. You got a traumatized kid. You got someone who really needs some some post traumatic help. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And it just well, how does that make you feel? It's not just it wasn't just bad. It was painful to watch. Yeah. Like, I'm sitting here banging my head against the wall as she... Well, why are you an android now? How does that make you feel? I think the worst of it was when she meets up with him to take him for their ice cream date or whatever the hell. Because that's where you go when Tro- when you go somewhere with Troy. I assume so, yeah. I, I, I'm assuming that Picard said, keep an eye on this kid. Go, you know, go spend some time with him. Ugh, if I have Her to. ice cream socials are extremely popular back on Beta Z. Right. Beta Z. I, um... But yeah, she she comes to his quarters and or wherever the hell he's staying. I don't know the Ramada, the lonely room that kept away from anyone else, the lonely orphan room. Yes, Jeremy Astor stayed there a few seasons ago. Sure. Um, Wesley stayed there when his mom was away. Uh huh. That's just where the orphans stay. Hmm. Uh, one time when they thought Worf was dead, Alexander moved in for a while. Yeah, Jordy goes there to cry. Yeah. Well, Jordy goes anywhere there aren't people to cry. <laughs> I feel like he's he spends a lot of late nights in uh, in some Jeffrey's tube somewhere just weeping. <laughs> Why am I so alone? But Troy meets the kid for whatever, and she's like, it, ta- it takes her a full minute to realize he's acting like an android. Wait, uh-huh. why are you dressed like that? Why are you acting like that? What's going on? Oh, oh my God, are you keep that Keep in stupid? mind, she works with an android every day. Okay, yeah, keep in mind that. Keep in mind... It's obvious he's dealing with some serious emotional issues. And keep in mind, she's a fucking empath! Uh-huh. Ugh. I sense your androidness. No, you don't. Uh, but she could definitely sense that he's repressing some emotions. Yeah. That seems like something she should be able to sense. But, nope. Nope, sorry. Not, not good. Just, and we keep saying it, and it's really to the point where I kind of want to do like we did with Wesley, where we, you know... We made ourselves say something good about him. I almost want to call the Troy thing off limits at some point. Cause, yeah, I think we might have to. Uh, if we took account of how many times we used her as our bad thing, you know, we'd run out of fingers. We'd run out of salad fingers, even. I feel like we need to send Marina Sirtis an award of some kind. Uh, except it's not her fault, because no, it wasn't bad writing in this episode. It was clearly that she was written as a bad counselor. It wasn't like... The writers fumbled. It was just like, nope, this is how she would act, as far as we know. Yep. They're in... She took him for ice cream. That's in character. Uh... Yeah, and in the next one, she talks about her mother. Uh-huh. So that's her two ba- That's both of her bases covered. Or, as you say, she has a mother made of chocolate. Yes. I, again, I want to bite her head off. Just, you know, like a, like a bunny, like a chocolate bunny. Yeah, a delicious chocolate bunny. Mm-hmm. Which, once you eat the head, you throw it away. Yes. A delicious chocolate man-crazed bunny. (laughs) 
Uh, they, they name checked the Breen for the first time, which is it means nothing to anyone for years and years. No, they will eventually become uh, a pretty big player in DS9 when it's revealed they look like Princess Leia in the beginning of Return of the Jedi. Well, the thing is, they're a major player in the second half of the last season. I'm pretty sure they were meant to be an in-joke. Mm. You hear about the Breen for the rest of Next Gen and all of DS9, and you never see one. And I'm pretty sure that was sort of a writing in joke where they're like, oh, yeah, the Breen. Just mention them in a list or mention the yep. we're going to see the Breen, whatever. And then you finally see them and they're just in a helmet. Mm -hmm. Damn it. We finally got to see. Oh, well. Now, there was a thing in one of the Trek novels I read, one of the not great Trek novels I read. Uh, it said the Breen was like a race of like like a collective uh, race of like different races. Mm hmm. And they all wore the the uniforms and stuff because it was supposed to make up for like it was supposed to equalize everyone. Well, yeah, like so that, like, like you do in the military. You, you know, you'd have like one race who was better at like hearing or something, so they gave them a helmet so they couldn't hear as well. Oh, well, that makes total sense. It was like a Vonnegut short story. Yeah, that that is absolutely what it sounds like. Um, at the end, Troy tells Data that he's okay, so I assume he must be. Yeah. Because she's, you know, hey, she knows. She would know. She knows what's what, right? Mm -hmm. She doesn't know what's anything at all. She barely knows what's who. Yeah. She doesn't even know who's on first. It's just embarrassing. Well, they just... don't have baseball anymore, so you can't really blame her. Well, what about that old man who dreamed about baseball? What about him, I... Matt? <laughs> Where's his parade? Uh, Well, the nanites gave it, and then he killed them. <laughs> That's another callback. I, we're we're remembering episodes from long ago because we're just finishing up the new episode guide, and so... Uh, yes, we remember the things we've done before. I don't know how many times during the process of that, uh, which one is this? Uh-huh. And what's is great this is... this the one where... No. What's great is we have most of them reduced to sort of a single phrase. Mm-hmm. This is the one where Riker gets his head stuck in a block of ice. Oh, of course! <laughs> This is the one with Tommy's mom. Ah, Tommy. I Wasn't it... I, weren't you saying that you thought this kid was Tommy? <laughs> First time we see him. Mm -hmm. under Finally, the we found him. Hey, it's Tommy. Nope, it's not Tommy. It's Timmy. <laughs> in, uh, in the school, rather than uh, the passive-aggressive Miss Teacher, we now have Mr. Teacher, who is also mm -hmm. passive-aggressive. I feel like he's one of those ones you got you, you got in elementary school about halfway through who made you call them doctor teacher. Oh, yeah, probably. But he had the same approach of you don't yell at a kid, you don't really even correct them, you just sort of... He said, Timothy, we're not playing blocks anymore, we're doing this. Instead of saying, Timothy, stop playing the blocks and get your ass over here. I don't even think a kid should be in school if his parents died that day. Well, I mean, it could have been a little bit later. Of course, I also don't think that he should be in a room by himself at the back of the ship. But, you know, what do I know? I'm not from the future. Look, it's the orphan suite, okay? It's the only one they got. <sighs> I don't know what to tell you. They need an orphan ship. Yeah. That that would be a smart thing to do. Just a, a, a ship full of grief-stricken children. <laughs> that is a novel I do not want to read. The USS Oliver Twist. Oh, God. First Officer Artful Dodger. <laughs> I think, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again when it happens again, this show has quite a remarkable record of good kid episodes. 
it really does. I expected the kid episodes to be the worst ones. Well, when we go into Farpoint and it's like, there's a ship full of, you know, there, there's children on this ship. And Picard's like, ugh. And we were like, ugh. Yep. But there have been definitely more good kid episodes than bad mm-hmm. so far. And I, I believe the record remains, you know, better than not going forward. I made it, We might have even mentioned this last week with Alexander, but this is another one. Mm-hmm. This is fantastic. I mean, I just, I love... I love the emotional core of it, and I love the acting, and it's it's just a fantastic episode. You know, you know the kid episodes have really taken off since Wesley left. I, Maybe it's because they stopped trying to put like to push him into that role. I would say that to some extent, but the uh, the aforementioned Jeremy Astor one was actually quite good, and Wesley was there because oh, that's right. He awkwardly said, "Uh, I don't know who." Yeah, no, I don't know all children. Can I go back to my bridge station now? <laughs> Come on, king of all children, king it up. Yeah. Oh, and then at the end of the episode, we learn that the shields caused the problem that blew up the Vico. So I guess the lesson here is shields are bad? I don't... Maybe? I don't know. That's probably not a philosophy to keep uh, to keep using. I mean, if you're going to go with that in your next Romulan encounter, you're probably in a lot of trouble. Possibly. I don't know. Have we ever tried not having our shields up? I mean, you, you don't really know until you've tried it. I guess that's true. That is all that I have. Do you have any further things? Um, no, I think that's everything. It's hard to pick apart an episode that is just sort of sweet. It's it's mm-hmm. relatively small and just a lot of little good moments. And yeah, this, about it. this is another one where this is a kid I would have liked to have seen come back. Yeah. Or at least have Data write him a letter. That would have been nice. I mean, he writes to Bruce Maddox and then he writes to this kid. I like the idea of Data just having a long list of correspondence. But he has the letters pre-written in his head. Yes. Because he can do that while he's, you know, operating a yo-yo, playing the violin, and uh, reorganizing his spreadsheets. Yes, and feeding Spot. Of course. Feeding... But I also like to believe he writes his letters in longhand. Well, right. I'm, what I'm saying is he's ca- he's calculated them in his head. Oh, yeah. But then he actually, yeah, no, he's got a feather pen and, and a, you know, like a, a an inkwell. An ink pot. Yes. That he borrowed from Picard. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously Picard still has one of those. Well, of course he does. He's definitely one of those paper fetishes. Uh-huh. Fetishists, excuse me. Trying for a uh, paperless ship here, Picard. The hell you are! <laughs> Not only that, but we're everyone's going to have fifty pads. <laughs> here, carry them around in a pile. If we can't have paper, we're going to pretend we have paper. <laughs> One document per pad. Here, you staple these together, <laughs> sir. <laughs> you heard me. That's an <laughs> order, Lieutenant. Okay. We'll take the spruce moose. Now get in. <clears throat> I don't think Captain Picard as Mr. Burns really works. I would like to see Mr. Burns in a Starfleet uniform, though. I would not. Well, nuts to you. Once again, Matt, we find ourselves sharply divided. (laughs) On opposite sides of a very polarizing issue. (laughs) Uh, We'll come back to this argument again and again over the years. I'm sure we will. It's sort of the cornerstone of of the series, I would assume. Mm -hmm. Um, So my quote is, there there were a lot of these. It's kind of hard to pick. But there's one where uh, Data's trying to give um, Timothy... I keep wanting to call him Jeremy, because I really have that episode on my mind. Uh, they're very similar, but also very different. Mm-hmm. Um, or he's, he's trying to comb his hair the way Data does his hair, you know, back. And he's got a couple to of brushes. At, yes, back and to the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, Data uh, goes to uh, Mr. Mott's grassy knoll barber. <laughs> but he... Um, the grassy knoll is what um, he calls uh, Picard's haircut behind his back. Oh. And uh, he, so he's trying to comb his hair. 
and Timothy just won't stop moving his head around. And Data's like, what, what are you doing? And then this little exchange happens. Timothy, your head movements are counterproductive. Can you be still? Could you do it? The servo mechanisms in my neck are designed to approximate human movements. I did not realize the effect was so distracting. And I just love when people point out the weird things that Data does. Mm-hmm. And but it, you don't notice at this point. No, and obviously his feelings aren't hurt because he doesn't have them, but he's still like, really, I do that? I had not noticed. I don't know what I look like from the outside. I, huh. I thought that I was really, I was capturing human neck movements really well. I thought that I was blending in perfectly and that people couldn't even tell I was an android. Oh, well. No one ever tells me anything. Damn it. Just Jordy. I, I could be sad. Just Jordy and he can't see. <laughs> He doesn't know what I look like. He just thinks I'm a red blur next to a blue blur. <laughs> and he can't see me through his tears anyway. <laughs> All right. As much as we don't want to, Matt, we really need to force ourselves into violations. No, I don't want to talk about violations. Look, you picked. Nah. I said, here's the episodes you picked. You picked this one. Nah. You chose fruit. All right, so magic psychics encrusted with barnacles arrive on the Enterprise to hitch a lift somewhere. There's father, TV's Frank, mother, girl Yoda, and son, creepy asshole with Crispin Glover hair. They first use their psychic powers to remind Keiko of a teacup she once put her hand into, and then creepy asshole mind rapes Deanna in a particularly uncomfortably graphic sequence. Let's just get this out of the way right now. I don't want any rape in my Star Trek, please. Like, at all. Nope. Anyway, Deanna falls into a rape coma, because apparently that's what happens, and then creepy asshole moves on to Nails and Bever, putting them both into rape comas, too. Eventually, Deanna wakes up, remembering nothing, so they use the psychics to probe her mind, which seems like a great idea, right? Then Deanna goes down to visit creepy asshole, because she still trusts him, because god damn it, and not content with mind rape, he attempts dick rape on her. Quick kick to the junk, puts that to rest, and then Worf shows up to save her. The moral of this story is that rape is bad. Bet you didn't know that, huh? That's why this episode is so necessary. Did you mean necessary? I mean, you know, there's no spell check for logic. Is that what you really meant? Necessary. Hmm. Is necessary absolutely not necessary? Yes. Okay. Just It's the anti-necessary. That's what I thought. And to run a ship, you have to put necessary and anti-necessary in, a, in an engine. Yes, exactly. But then they're highly unstable. Right. Of course they are. We will do anything not to talk about this episode. Uh, including debating what ne- what is and is not necessary. I think we need to talk more about Mr. Burns in a Starfleet uniform. <laughs> I completely agree with that. No, let's let's talk about this. I don't know how Dealing many times... He's open, Smithers. <laughs> I, yes, sir. sir. I don't... I can't... I don't even... Okay, I don't know how many times... Where to start and where to begin. I don't know how many times this show does this. I seem to remember it happening a lot. This is one. I know it It happens... It at least happens in this and in uh, Nemesis. Right. Um, But I could swear it happens more than this. Mm -hmm. Because Deanna is, you know, pseudo-half-ass telepathic, Mm -hmm. her mind is receptive to this crap. But then it happens to humans, so that's not it. Yeah. She's just a victim. That's all it is. She's just a victim. Let's just... I mean, let's cut the crap here it happens to her because she's a pretty girl yeah and that's that's bullshit that's not right no look we have our problems with her but come on yeah we like her we do i really want to like her i don't i don't want bad things to happen to her i definitely don't want this to happen to her i don't want this to happen i mean i don't want anything bad to happen to her really 
What I would love is if she suddenly stepped up and started doing her job. I would immediately say, good, fine, yeah. I'm wrong, let's let's do this. You want to talk about things we will give Marina Sirtis an award for? Yes. She's good, acting-wise. Yes, she is. The writers just give her crap. But every time, and I keep saying this, every time we see her off-duty, we see her jokey, mm-hmm. we see her casual, she's great, she's so fun. The- there's, there's an... Ad- adorable scene in this when she's talking to creepy asshole in the uh, in the turbo lift mm-hmm. and they're both talking about uh, o- having overbearing parents and she's just adorable yep it's fantastic it's a nice subtle callback to her mom and it's a mm-hmm. great little scene and she she gets a little smile and when they give her stuff to do she's good at it mm-hmm. i mean i guess she's good in this but i don't want her to be good at that no no but all right let's let's talk let's talk about your brief good thing and then let's really go into this all right so my good thing in this one is deanna stops sucking just long enough to sack her attacker in the space junk which i found very satisfying there's a whole sequence where he's giving up the mental thing and just like you say coming down to physically assault her Mm -hmm. and she doesn't just kick him in the junk she wails on him she punches them in the face she punches them she hits him she she kicks him in the nuts and she smacks him with a pad and it's not girl fighting it's not like eh, eh. Like it's fuck you fighting. Yeah, no, she is full on defending herself, and she's you know getting some good punches. And she didn't overpower him, but she tried. And at least, yeah. if nothing else, I was a little disappointed to see that she had to get saved by Worf. Well, she got thrown across the room. I'd like to think she would come back and continue fighting. That would be nice. But like I say, I didn't even expect that. I expected her to be you know immediately fall down and like cowering. Yeah, and shit. No, she fucking punched him in the face. Mm-hmm. Good. If, if nothing else, good for that. Bad for so many other reasons. Basically everything else. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's do this. Okay. So, and my bad thing, the psychic rape scene is, wow, just utterly uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't want to see this with her. I don't like it when Bill gets in there. Let's, like, let's like, really break it down. Let's talk. I don't, I know, I know, but we need to talk about it. All right. The dream that she has, and it's typical TV dream logic where it's just kind of lame, but it involves, I guess, after the poker game one time, mm-hmm. memory of this, and uh, she drops all her gold coins because I guess she's a leprechaun maybe. or A leprechaun or an Italian plumber. Sure. Because if you collect all those coins off the off the ground, you get a one-up. Mm-hmm. Or possibly... Oh, they could have used that to bring Tasha back to life again. Or they could have used the, uh, the nickels to go do the laundry. <laughs> She's got a lot of outfits, you know. I love the idea of there just being just a flat-out laundromat. Yep. In the basement of the Enterprise. In the basement. Not downstairs. That's a whole other thing. You got, like, Troy sitting on sitting on a laundry, on a uh, on a washing machine reading a magazine mm-hmm. in, like, a, a pair of sweatpants. Yep. Well, it's laundry day. Anytime now. And Worf's, like, in there with uh, his sash in the laundry, you know, in the, in the washer. <laughs> God, I hate this part. But, okay, so she's got this memory of this happening, and then Riker comes in, and this scene goes on for a while. I would say a good yeah. five minutes out of the usual 47-ish. Mm-hmm. And he is full-on raping her. Yeah, He's holding her arms down. He's doing all kinds of creepy things, moving into her face and, you know, saying Rushing all kinds of uncomfortable with... things. And he's yeah. clearly forcing himself on her. Mm-hmm. And we had to watch it. Yeah. Not only and then later, we had to watch it again. Yeah. It was so... 
and and look, Matt and I, you know, it's it's not it's not easy to sit there and make jokes and make little MST3K style riffs when that's no. happening. We're both just like, oh god, stop it! This needs to end. We need to be able to make fun of their stupid heads again. This is not pleasant, and it's not disturbing in a cool way. Like, you know, here's something scary and uncomfortable. Yeah, it was disturbing in a please stop it. Yeah. Like you said, I don't want rape in my Star Trek. I don't like ever. I I watch Star Trek for a lot of very very good reasons, mm-hmm. and I don't want like this is not one of them. This is not a thing I that needs to be explored in Star Trek. No, and it is a real issue. Yeah. It is a thing that happens. It is a very unpleasant thing that people are capable of. But this show can deal with sort of broad political issues. It doesn't need to deal with stuff like this. No, and it doesn't do it well either. Well, and we'll get to that in a second. That's my bad thing. In fact, let's let's just go into that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go, like you you named a specific scene. I'm going to go with a more general approach. All right. I, the overall message was clumsy, awkward, and in really poor taste. Mm-hmm. It feels like they just threw Riker into the mix so Troy wouldn't be the only victim. But then she's the only one we focused on. Yeah, it's like, it, like they don't talk about it at all with, like, Riker. No. And they actually end up saying the word rape. Just mm-hmm. to bring it home, in case we weren't clear, TV's Frank, who I thought looked like he was cosplaying as Brando's Jarrell, actually says the word rape yeah, with subtlety. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Uh, but fortunately, Picard informs them and us that humans have evolved beyond violent assault in the enlightened future. Yeah. Yeah, we can't blame Gene for this garbage anymore. He's He's gone. Mm-hmm. He has died, and he's been dead for long enough that this script probably was developed without him. Yeah, this was actually the first one that was developed without him. Ah. So this was someone doing ham-fisted, awful commentary, you know, and and smug future man completely on their own. Yeah, this was what? Four people? Yeah, that, I was, who the hell is responsible? Oh, all right. Four writers. That's all I needed to know. Yep. Plus, you would think four writers, one of them would say, maybe we shouldn't do this. Uh, worse, I bet that you had four writers going, we're saying something. No, you're not. We're going we're gonna to change people's opinions, man. No. It wasn't cool when Tasha did it. It's not cool now. No. We don't want it. No. We could be, like, we're done. Yeah. No more. I bet it happens again. Oh, I'm sure it hap- It comes up at least once in DS9. Uh-huh. All the Cardassian stuff? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember specifically, but, you know, it's been a while. And I'm sure Voyager and Enterprise probably tried it as well. Oh, I'm sure. And those, that's not disparaging those shows. It just feels like something every, you know, every time they're like, oh, well, maybe we can do this right. Maybe we can really take on this important thing and do this right. No, you can't. I can understand wanting to, like, you know, this is awful and we should, you know, we should talk about it. We can be a show that, like, you know addresses this maturely and but like i said i don't think star trek is that show no i don't either i think fiction has a place for addressing serious issues and star trek has been good at that to some extent Mm -hmm. i mean we had some race stuff we had some uh, vietnam stuff in the old show yep i can't remember off the top of my head it's all of this stuff yeah trek handles really well i can't remember off the top of my head what next gen has done but i know they've done stuff like this as well yeah but this is, I don't know, it's too personal, it's too gruesome. There's no way to put a sci-fi face on this and no. say anything important. Rape is bad, we all know it, let's just not, let's just not. And there's no, like, there's no, there's no meaning to any of it, you know? This no. is a huge, huge deal for someone. 
and like just having it go away at the end of the episode and say like hand waving it away, saying it didn't happen because it ha- it was all in her mind or something. That's just trivial trivializing it. And we talked about this in the Jordy was brainwashed episode. When something awful happens to a character, that's the that's the failing of you know non serialized TV. Yeah. Next week he's fine. And that's yeah. that's nowhere close to being mind rape. I'm not trying to say that, but I'm trying to no, say of course not. when you've been through awful stuff. I mean, Picard tried to murder the entire human race. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where the guys are like, we can help you, you know, regress your past life or whatever and, and recover memories. And I, I think Beverly's trying to be cute about it. She's trying to be, you know, playful. And yeah. she's like, come on, Jean-Luc. Let's do and he's like, oh, no. Come on. Yeah, maybe he doesn't want to remember when he destroyed, like, 23 starships. Maybe. Gosh, it's only been a year since I tried to kill everyone yeah. in the universe. And I'm using, right. I'm using my strong Vulcan-like willpower to just not think about that. But please, yeah, let's revisit that. Let, let's do. That should be a lark. And that's, I, I know that's not what they were thinking. The, the implication is that he had a wild childhood and she'd love to hear about it. Yes. And we will see that later. I do like that they keep bringing that up. Picard was, you know, was an absolute hellraiser when he was twenty. The idea that Picard got up to stuff, yeah, when he was when he was like a young when he was like a young, young adult is just hilarious to me. It is, and they they and it's a great part of his character. And they hint at it for years until they finally get to tapestry and show us mm-hmm. a little bit of it, which is fantastic. Um, there's a bit where uh, Bever is going through her her thing. Through her weird, dreamy, whatever. Uh-huh. In fairness, well, I say in fairness, I, her and Riker don't, like, theirs doesn't end in a sexual assault. No, that's true. So so Troy really is the only victim. I guess that's true, yeah. Because theirs, theirs are both tragic. Like, Riker has this thing about the Enterprise blowing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a crisis in engineering, and he can't... I think it was, they were in the middle of an emergency, like, it was an actual thing that happened to him. It could be, but, and he couldn't rescue somebody in time. Yeah, someone got left behind. It might have been... Helen a... Keller got left behind. Right. And it might have been, well, you know, Jordy wants to keep another blind person around. Yeah, of course. Solidarity. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, you know, either he's remembering or he's put into this dream situation where he let a crewman die. And for someone of that rank, that is an awful thing. And then Bever remembers when uh, Picard had to show her uh, Jack Crusher's body. And that, you know, again, that's a good, you know, memory from her past that we know. And we get a flashback where she's got, like, long hair and she looks a little younger, and that's nice. Yeah, her super long hair was actually really pretty. It was. And it made her look younger. And then they gave Picard, like, an awful hair piece. What are you going to do? He's younger. Look, he's got hair. (laughs) I thought with the hair he looked like Bill O'Reilly. Yep. Which was unsettling in itself. I think that is the worst part of the nightmare. I like to believe that he actually was was attempting a wig at that point. Could be. Well, I, maybe I, maybe people don't notice. Maybe I can fool. You know, them. like I mean, I could look okay. Yeah. Right. Nobody knows, right? I mean, my my hairline was completely receding yesterday, but now I've got hair. I mean, look, we're in the future now. Yeah. I, I should be able to get a decent passable wig, right? Nope. Damn it. I, okay, well, back. stop joking. Let's talk about rape some more. Oh, man. The thing is, it reminds me of... Uh, this is semi-topical, I suppose. It reminds me of when superhero comics do this. Mm-hmm. Superhero comics are sort of in the same area as Star Trek. They're fun adventure things that sort of... 
draw on your childhood fantasies, but at the same time, they can deal with serious issues. Yeah. But there's lines they probably shouldn't cross because they're not going to do it well. Yeah. And this is another one in superhero comics, and they, they use it as a cheap gimmick all the time. Yeah, it, it's gotten really ridiculous. Yeah. And, there, you know, in super serious adult stories, I guess it could be all right, but really not often. No. I, I, at this point, I don't want to see it in my in my superhero no. comics. I mean, I thought it was done well in Watchmen. That's the only oh, one yeah, I can think right. of. I forgot about Watchmen. I never forget about Watchmen. <laughs> I thought about Watchmen thirty five minutes ago. <laughs> I just, I in general, I think this is a kind of thing that you need to deal with elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Like I said, serious drama, or I guess this is what the Lifetime Channel is for. Yeah. Basically, if you're wearing any type of costume or unitard, Mm. this is probably not the place for that. No, absolutely not. So, uh, in in summary, shame on you, Star Trek. Shame. Come on, guys. So, my my good thing is, okay, there's a scene when when Troy's in her coma, and Riker comes down, and he's standing over her, and he's comforting her while she's, you know, while she's unconscious. And they say, you know, for a coma victim, loved ones should sort of, you know, talk to them. Just give them something to latch onto and maybe they'll come out of it. And he's obviously her best friend. Mm-hmm. And seeing him just stand there, and he's obviously choked up because Frakes is great. And he's just telling her about his day. Like, it's not even anything profound. But it's just really, really sweet. And, uh, you know, like we said, I don't hate Deanna. No. I think she's terrible at her job, but watching Riker worrying that she might not snap out of it is really sad and touching. Yeah. There's even a weird callback to Shades of Grey, of all things. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this, Matt, and you won't hear me say this often. I would wa- rather watch Shades of Grey than I would rather watch that rape scene again. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> I would rather watch Plato's Stepchildren. I can't jokingly put a bucket over my head for this. No. That would cheapen the, the reason, you know, the offense. You know how hard it is to, to it was to write this synopsis? Yeah, I, I noticed it was a little shorter than usual. I'm like, Matt, you're getting, la-. no, never mind, you're not getting lazy. This is, you can't. No, I just don't want to talk about it. And not in the way when we see a great episode. is like, well, we can't make a lot of jokes. No, it's, no, we're not that show. No. Uh, but, yeah, he makes a callback to uh, Shades of Grey. Where he says, I was in a, you know, I was, I was down. I was real bad in here, you know, unconscious. And you did this for me. And I almost didn't make it. And now, you know. Remember that time I got pricked by that thorn? Well, unfortunately, he didn't go into it. But I had to think for a minute. When did he? Oh, right, that one. Oh, right, yeah. But it was still a nice, like, it did happen. It was in continuity. You saw it happen. Yes. And it was nice for him to say, hey, you know, you were here for me and now I'm here for you. It, Look, we've all been in comas. Yeah, I mean, it's Star Trek. We're we're constantly in comas. It's lousy. Everyone with gets coma. a coma at least once. Yeah, it's you know. Just be glad you didn't have to. Re- you didn't have to live an entire lifetime. Right. Now that wasn't a coma. That was just a a fun little dream. <laughs> yes, yeah, a little dream. Right. Dream a little. Very dream. little. Right. Um, I just I thought it was really sweet. Mm-hmm. No, it was. It was a great scene. And that is one of the things I really like about Troy, for all her faults. She and Riker have this connection that I believe. Like, they have actual chemistry. It's nice. Yeah. She doesn't really have it. I mean, she and Beverly are best friends or whatever, BFF. But, you know, and they really just do giggly girl things. And I don't even mind that. Nope. I don't find that, like, you know, 
degrading or sexist or whatever. I just, I feel like they're the only two women in, you know, the senior staff and they probably just sort of hang out together and gossip or whatever. I, I assume dudes do that too. It's not a, it's not even a only women do this thing. I imagine no, Jordy and Data. Like, uh, yeah, about it. Actually, Jordy and Worf. I picture Worf totally being a gossip. Oh, totally. And you know Jordy and Worf hang out. It's always weird when we see it, but they definitely do. Uh-huh. And I, I, I think they're gossiping. I think they're totally like, oh, my God, did you hear what happened with Ensign Roe? She lacks honor. Yes, she lacks honor. Yeah, but you got to hear about this. This is insane. And, of course, Guinan's just sitting back at the bar listening, taking it all in. She takes it, taking it all in. She's got files. Publishing a newsletter. Uh-huh. She keeps it all under her hat. <laughs> oh, I should not have enjoyed that as much as I did. Yeah. I love I love dumping your kind of jokes right back on you. Yep. It's fantastic. It's definitely something I find humorous. Uh-huh. It would have to be. Well, yes. Um... So at the end of the episode, they're like, well, we don't know what to do here. There's no legal basis in our culture to prosecute this. What? Really? Really. Really. I mean, okay, the law books might not specifically say mind violation. Yeah, but... There's um, gotta be something. I mean, like... Yeah. The Federation has had access to psychics for a long time. Yep. Like, at the very least, since the Vulcans showed up. Well, the Vulcans aren't exactly psychic, but yes. I mean, but, I mean, there's a certain amount of, like... No, there's a bit of telepathy there, but it's, yeah. They they never yeah. make that clear, and I'm totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like it better when they don't just say, yes, we're telepaths. Eh, not exactly. And, I mean, like, I, I'm sure that the, back in the original series, they talked about, like, certain humans having telepathy. Oh, there was... I'm sure that th- that popped up. There was Charlie X... Yep. There was uh, Gary Mitchell when he got zapped by whatever he got zapped by. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so, like, I'm pretty sure you guys should have rules for this by now. Yeah, you would think. The Federation's been around a long time at this point. But, I mean, I, I think he was talking about their culture. Ah, okay. Because it's one of those weird, they're not part of the Federation, you have to go with the local jurisdiction, you have to follow their laws. Uh-huh. And... Do you in this case? Yeah, well... She was a she's a member of Starfleet who was attacked on a Starfleet vessel. I know, I I I don't know. It's ugh, yeah, you know, like ugh. yeah. It's I think we're done here. Yeah, I, I think let's go to your quote, which is at least a little bit lighthearted. All right, here's my quote. It's kind of funny, Mister Worf. I would love to explore Klingon memories. Klingons do not allow themselves to be probed. This is, we didn't even talk about this. In the first part of the episode, these guys are showing off their par, their powers like a parlor trick. Yep. They're like, you know, like you said with Keiko, they're like helping people remember stuff. And he's going around the table and he's like, how about you? Uh, you, sir. Hey. Find, no, we've never met before, have we? Find the lady. <laughs> and I really just wanted Penn and Teller to like burst in. Oh, no, you Bullshit. don't. <laughs> and then there's this asshole. <laughs> You know what? I would pay good money to see that them pop in on a lot of shows and say that. <laughs> or just show up Lenny and Squiggy style. Hello! <laughs> he wouldn't change his delivery because he never changes his delivery. <laughs> Hello, kick. I would love to see Admiral Penn and Teller. Like, they both have to be the same rank. Oh, of course. Or be Penn and Teller. Oh, God. And now I've just pictured Teller in the Captain Pike chair. <laughs> <laughs> He's not handicapped, but since he can't speak, he can only communicate in beeps. <laughs> 
ride it. Well, that, and, you know, he's got the beep thing because he can't talk. <laughs> oh. This is a series we need to develop. Yes, absolutely. This is our idea. Copyright us. Admiral Pendulette. Yep. And tell it. Right. And tell it. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're done here. Like I said, this is our last show of the year. I think we're taking mm-hmm. a two or three week break. But like I said, we have the Drunken Time the, Travel uh, yes. crossover. Uh, and our, our good, great pal Vishal Bardwaj has promised fantastic cover art for that as well. And we believe him because he is amazing. Yes, he is. We also, this is something we talk about more on our other show, Sarcastic Voyage. But we have, um, we're doing the Emerald City Comic Con this year, which is the is first weekend of uh, March 2013. Uh, we will have a table there. We will be selling the episode guide volumes one and the new volume two. Mm-hmm. And which has uh, b- the writing on that's finished. We're into uh, yeah, we're copy editing yeah, now and cleaning we're it up. Copy editing and, now. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. We <laughs> we make ourselves laugh. We wrote it. We finished writing it a week ago. We gave ourselves a week. We came back to it and we're we're doing read through and we're just laughing like this is a great joke. Me <laughs> patting ourselves on the back. Oh God, we're funny. Yeah, we are so hilarious. <laughs> but that'll be there. Uh, we'll be there. Um, we actually just secured a venue for a live show, a couple of live shows. Mm-hmm. We'll be doing one for Sarcastic Voyage. We will also be doing a live episode, uh, well, two-episode breakdown like we do on the show. Yep. Uh, in front of... Uh, if you were uh, if you were at uh, Emerald City last year, you'd sort of know what we're going for again. Well, the nice thing is our circle of friends was there, and quite a few of them are coming back, and new friends are coming. Yes. But also, this venue is inside the convention center mm-hmm. in, a, in a theater. We have a better space this year. Yes, in a theater. Which is just uh, connected to the convention center, so it's, mm-hmm. it's better. It's made for this. But what that means is we can direct people from our table to that, and hopefully we'll, we'll sort of put the word out to a wider audience. Yes. We, we have also, uh, b- between me and y- you guys, the listeners, so terrible secret, we've also applied for a panel for this show. Mm-hmm. It's highly unlikely because we really don't have any professional credentials. No. But there's an outside chance we could actually, you know, have a panel. And, you know, end up in, like, the panel guide and stuff. That would be fantastic. If that happens, I will totally track down Sir Patrick Stewart and say, hey, we're going to be talking about you over here. You want to go check us out? So that'll be nice. Actually, our our friend Laura is doing an event after us. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's, she's really excited because she's getting this, uh, God, I don't want to misrepresent it. I believe it's a fish made of cheese. Possibly it's a cheese made of fish. I don't remember. She calls it a cheese fish. I will be pleased to see that, whatever it turns out to be. And we may try to actually go invite Patrick Stewart to go check out our cheese fish. Yeah. Because I never... I mean, how else would you would you lure him in? I never know what to say to these guys. I never... Like, when I meet famous people, I'm just like, I like you. I just... I never know. You're a good... You're a good actor, man. You're a good... And... <laughs> Come on, you you know me, Matt. You you know me, listeners. When am I ever lost for words? Never. That's true. But I don't know what to say to famous people. I just I don't I don't know. But if we if we had either the panel or the cheese fish to offer him, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe it would be okay. Actually, I remember when we were taping uh, one of the SVs where we were talking to uh, oh god, what was his name? The guy who wrote Transformers. Oh yeah, um, that guy, uh, Michael yeah. Charles Hill. Yes. From Charles Michael. You actually, and you were actually at a loss for words. It shocked the hell out of me. I just, he wrote one of my favorite things as a child ever. And I just, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's not like the guy is like an Emmy winning, you know, guy who's you know, a household name. But to me, in my mind. Yeah. 
No, I know exactly what you mean. He was just amazing. Um, but anyway, we're the occasional webcomic artist who just goes, right. Anyone who's provided you consistent entertainment, really. Yeah. But anyway, we'll be there. Uh, yes. if you have any possible chance of getting to Seattle that weekend, please come see us. We will, we would love to see you. The best thing in the world. Well, the best thing in the world is getting in front of people and making them laugh. That is, yes. just, that is what this is all about for me. Uh, Matt doesn't like that, but I don't care. <laughs> Matt's fine with it. <laughs> Get up there and stroke my ego, Matt. Stroke. <laughs> oh God, here's a nightmare I've had before. The the re, like the the next best thing, the the still great thing, is having and this happened a couple of times last year. Having people who have listened to the show coming up to us and saying, you know, I enjoy the show. I I'd like to buy an episode guide. You guys are great. Mm-hmm. That just you know. We don't get out much. We don't, you know, we, we have a limited audience, but that is fantastic. It's great to hear from you guys. Yeah. And and we do appreciate that. Um, so one final bit of business. Uh, the app that we have been uh, promoting, the uh, iOS app, it'll work on your iPhone. It'll work on your iPad, but it's one of those iPhone apps that, that you have to blow up. Like, it works mm-hmm. fine. It just, it looks a little blocky like those do. Yeah, you have to explode it. Right. Um but you know, it still works if you want to yeah. if you want to read our words. And I believe Bob is working on version 2.0, which will be formatted for the the better screens and the bigger screens and so forth. Um, but prior to that, uh, the the app that is currently available, version one, which has our entire uh, everything that has to do with Kirk and Spock and Bones uh, from the beginning of the original series through the movies and the Abrams movie. Yeah. <laughs> Including the animated series, which a lot of people didn't want us to do, but fuck you, we're doing everything. Yeah, screw you guys. Yeah. Uh, he is he has knocked down the price. I believe it was $1.99 before. It is now 99 cents. Yes. Through the end of the year. So if you've been hesitant, you know, all the money's going to Bob basically to develop the next one. And yeah. it's nice, you know, it's nice to pay him. But on the other hand, if you've been waffling, there's great, you know, there's great material in there. Mm-hmm. And we'd like you we to get the material. We on that book. We did. And and it's different material than what's on the show. We'd like yep. to get that in your hands. We'd, we'd like to throw Bob a couple of bucks. In addition to that, we'd like to get that material out there because we think it's funny. We stand by yes. it. It's good stuff. So there's that. And I think that's all the business I have. Um, I, yeah, that's pretty much it. If you don't subscribe to the show, you may have missed this. We did a, I don't know, 20-minute um, analysis of the, uh, the the teaser trailer for the new Star Trek movie. We went pretty in-depth. Not nearly as in-depth as some of the internet has gone, but a bit in-depth. I maintain that it's not con. I don't care what anybody says. Nope. Uh, and that's about it. I think that covers everything. And you will battle Scott Zioko in single combat to prove that fact? Uh, in fact, I will once again put out the offer. If anyone wants to bet me any sensible amount of human money mm-hmm. that Dongle Dink Humperboosh is playing um, <laughs> con, I will take that bet yet. and I will win. All right, Matt. And with that, we're done for a few weeks. Guys, thank you for your support. Enjoy. Uh, And say your thing, Matt. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this for fun.